We are back. It's the final episode of the first season of Howl History. What do you want to do tonight, Chad? Let's talk wolves. Let's talk wolves. I was hoping you'd say the same thing you do every night, Pinky, but you didn't roll with that joke. What's that? The Pinky in the Brain, man. Oh, I don't know Pinky in the Brain. You don't know what that is? You're not an Animaniacs kid? Yeah, I didn't. I mean, I was a little bit. I was caught in the middle. I was like, I don't know, seventh, eighth grade when that was on, so I was kind of like. Not yet a man, but yeah. no longer boy. Well, however, the Britney Spears lyrics go. <laughs> so I was, I was sort of beyond the Animaniacs. I was watching, you know, Saved by the Bell, like the preteen stuff. Not Even worse. Kid. I'd rather watch Animaniacs and go back and watch the preteen Saved by the Bell stuff. Are you kidding me? No, the Bell I'm not. Awesome. We watched uh, probably two full days of Saved by the Bell. My wife and I, when we caught it on cable one day, they were doing a, some type of marathon before the new season came out on Peacock. Sure. But it was, Actually, so that was, I think that was, I don't know, college years? Oh, where, yeah, college yeah. years was a little bit different. I mean, it's it's sort of weird. You have to catch it in the right couple years, because, like, the early years without, like, all the, like, without Slater and right. Jesse and stuff, you know, those ones are kind of rough. And then the college years are just, I, I don't think they're made poorly, but they're just not as good as, like, the, you know, like, your classic yeah they're not as cheesy as the classic one so like no. the cheesy the cheesy saved by the bell like it's like so cheesy it's good right kind of thing. no i don't think we were college years it was still like when they were juniors and seniors so it was like the summer when they were at they were all working at the Casey same like, yeah yeah that one yep so and it the was volleyball, that, volleyball, the volleyball tournament out. absolutely yeah. and the then guy, uh and then they went on their trip to hawaii and they ran into okay. mr belding in hawaii and Zach fell in love again with a whole new different person who had a kid, even though he wasn't, he was still in high school. Yep. He had a yep. break it to her. He's still a high schooler. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, dude, we would play. So when my brother started dating his now wife, okay. her first Christmas over, she's like, thought it'd be a really cool idea to bring Saved by the Bell trivia over. And I thought for a second, I thought you were going to say we used to play Saved by the Bell, but oh no, <laughs> I was like, where is this going, Chad? But we would smoke, like my brothers and I, yeah. would just smoking the girls in the, you know, family that right. the girl we brought over, and um, to the point where like we had to ask our own questions, like we had to make up our questions because the questions in the game were just like so generic they mm-hmm. weren't difficult enough. Like our questions were like, what was the name of AC Slater's turtle? You know, that was the <laughs> level of detail that we would get to. <laughs> we're gonna have to have a no. Save by the Bell themed episode next season. Yeah, we should. We'll figure. We'll plan that one out, and we'll bring it back. But uh, highest rated one. Most yeah, as you as you requested at the beginning, let's let's talk wolves. Let's do it. All right, <laughs> bring it all the way back. Okay, can I do that answer over? Can you talk about <laughs> Bell. That's not the, this type of podcast, Chad. Well, oh well. I feel like every time we have an episode, we come up with a new podcast idea for you, though. I know. We could just be doing them like every night. I know seven different podcasts. <laughs> We better start making some money off of this stuff if we're going to do that, though. Yeah, I'd have to, you know, quit my job to. I actually, I wouldn't have to do a lot of say by the bell research. <laughs> you I just could, have it, right? It's just all right up here. You could do a what, what the, the theme of podcasts these days, where they just watch through episode by episode and they really recap it and talk through what happened. Like you wouldn't even need to watch. You'd just be like, oh no, I know no, episode one dot one. Talk through the lines. Yeah. And remember when uh, Tori Spelling was on? She was Violet. I don't. Um, no, I like I, I didn't watch. <laughs> Saved by the Bell. <laughs> she was she was Screech's girlfriend. Spoiler oh boy, alert. there you go. I do know that the first season wasn't Saved by the Bell. It was uh, was it Good Morning Miss Bliss or Good Evening Miss yeah. Bliss or not yeah. good, that wouldn't make any sense. 
Good morning, Miss Bliss. Good morning, yep. Miss Bliss. Yeah. So I at least know that if you ask me that trivia question, I, I'd get that one. But that's as far as I'm going to be able to go. <laughs> Poor Dustin Diamond. R.I.P. <sighs> yeah, R.I.P. In, indeed. Yeah. So we have, as the Minnesota Timberwolves, I'm including us in that statement as a we, uh, four games to go before the trade deadline, Chad. Uh, they're playing right now as we speak, a first night of a back-to-back in Phoenix, um, a team that at the moment is one of the top teams in the Western Conference, and I think you can give a lot of that credit to Chris Paul and what he does as a veteran on any team, and he would have looked pretty nice on this team over the last couple of years, but alas, he's not here. He's in Phoenix, and this is going to be a real test for, for the Wolves, who have looked a lot better after the uh, All-Star break, but we'll see what they can do against Phoenix, or if we are feeling pretty low again after these next couple of games. Phoenix was like red hot though in the bubble last end of last season as well. They were, you know. So Chris Paul came in at like the opportune time, so he can look like the guy to turn them around. But what were they like nine and zero in the bubble? I mean, they were. Well, yeah, they went eight and zero in the bubble. They st- but they still missed the playoffs. They still struggled before they, that. They did everything they could have done yep. in the bubble. Yeah, you know. So they were like they started to figure it out, and then they obviously made the swap. Ricky for Chris Paul. I still think they'd be a top two or three team in the West if they had Ricky and you know, part of that's I've always been a little bit more down on Chris Paul than you, but I, that said, in one of the earlier episodes, I talked about what Chris Paul could have done for this Mm -hmm. team. If that was the type of veteran we brought in. So I do get that Chris Paul makes every team he goes to a lot better, but I just, I think Phoenix is a really, really interesting, really good team with or without Chris Paul, just because I like a lot of their other pieces. I think Booker's on his way to being a star, um, they got, you know, good role players like Jay Crowder, guys like that. So they're a fun team, I think. Yeah. Well, we'll see what they do in these, these games. If they could split these and be three and three after the All-Star break with a fairly top-heavy schedule, that would be a, a pretty impressive return from Chris Finch and, and this team. They were could not have looked worse heading into the All-Star break and where they were going, but they came out, they crushed New Orleans, so their second win this season over New Orleans. Um, another t- a team that wants to be taken seriously in the Western Conference, but just has a has trouble with Minnesota for some reason. Um, then they split games against Portland, two close games. They end up winning the second, uh, two clutch time games. So you'd think it would be a dame time in both those games. He kind of got us in the first one, but the Wolves held on in the second. And then they lost uh, by you know double digits against the Lakers the other night, but in a game that looked much better than earlier this season when they played them. So uh, a lot and more that game was a lot closer than what the score showed too. Well, like, it was through like, the first few quarters until yeah. LeBron and Harold decided they're just going to run pick and roll twenty mm-hmm. times in a row and spread that lead out. But, um, but yeah, they've so they've looked a lot more competitive. They at least look like they belong out on the floor in comparison to where they were before the the All Star break. So, uh, but like I said, we got the trade deadline coming up. We'll see if this recent run of competitiveness uh, t- makes the front office compare them to. Uh, a contending team, a team that's only one or two players away and makes them more aggressive, or if they want to stick with what they have and feel like they actually have more holes plugged than they previously thought and make them hold tight. So, Chad, what are your, you have any predictions coming up? How big a moves? What type of players? I or, mean, I don't, all along, I haven't really thought they were going to make a big move. I, I think, I think, gun to my head, they make a move, but I think it's going to be something relatively small or inconsequential, uh, maybe something to kind of balance out the roster a yeah. little bit. Um, I believe you know, uh, David Kahn's term was surgical. That's that's what, how he described those moves. Yeah, a surgical move from for mana from heaven mm-hmm, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, you know, like the the Collins and Gordon rumors are, you know, still 
red hot right now. Yep. And I mean, I wouldn't shock me if they made a move for one of those guys. Um, I just, it, it feels like there won't be quite as many blockbuster trades this year just because I don't know yeah. if teams are in that sort of make a move sort of mindset just because there's 10 teams that could, you know, yeah, they be in the bubble play. And um, so it, 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 there's just like the teams that are at the bottom of the, conferences mm-hmm. are sort of like cemented there there's not a lot of movement for those yeah and then the other teams are you know there's only like one or two interesting races on each conference so i don't know how much movement there will be i mean we saw a little bit already with milwaukee getting pj tucker and well there are less races but there are also less sellers because more teams can talk them in, talk themselves right. into feeling like they're competitors to be in the playoffs this year which just makes it tough because you have to have a match for any trade so even right. if the wolves oddly decide that they're buyers at the deadline which every indication would seem to say that they are there aren't there just aren't a lot of sellers out there there aren't a lot of teams who are out of the playoffs who have players that you would buy so um takes two That's to tango. The with the wolves. Yeah. yeah i mean i think the wolves are buyers because they're trying to build but yet they're not, they can't really be sellers so they don't really got anything they can sell right straight up either so or at least because everything, everybody's so young. So anybody that's competing for a playoff spot this year isn't really looking to add a, you know, a Jared Vanderbilt mm-hmm. to their team or somebody mm-hmm. like that um, as like the main piece because he hasn't proven a lot, you know. So it's, um, I just think it's gonna be yeah difficult to find a partner for a bigger trade. I can, you know, like I said, a, a smaller one I can totally see happening. But who knows? I mean, you know, this could also be one of those things like all of a sudden it's pandemonium and all like one domino falls and all the teams kind of panic and do making a bunch of moves. You know? Sure. It so. could happen. I mean, the, the, so let's explore both the buyer and the seller side of this persona. And let's, let's start with the buyer side. If, if the Timberwolves are going to be buyers at the deadline, what do you think is their biggest need in terms of player type or position or role? What, what, what would make the biggest difference on this team long-term, especially considering the fact that D'Lo and Beasley are on the way back here soon? Yeah, it's it's tricky, right? Because like I don't know that we really know what this team still has. You know, they're starting to put things together since Elsa break. Like you just sort of ran mm-hmm. through the the games, and I could totally see us going three and three, and then all of a sudden D'Lo and Beasley come back, and then it's just a cluster again because right. now you have a bunch of guys trying to figure out the roles with those guys involved, and um, so and, and then I think things will settle down, and then they'll be you know looking pretty mm-hmm. sharp again, but. It's so it's tricky. I mean, obviously the conventionalism is, you know, they need a, a starting power forward. I agree, but I also see Jared Vanderbilt and more so Jaden McDaniels as, you know, Jaden McDaniels is a long-term mm-hmm. starting four for this team. And Jared Vanderbilt's like done a really solid job as a starting four for this team. I mean, obviously you can improve that, but can you improve that without hurting some other area on the team? And we don't really have a strength anywhere that you can just freely deal you know, right. one of those core pieces. So it's, it's tricky. I mean, like, you know, last episode when we were sort of in the, <laughs> the pit of, you know, it was before the all-star break had ended. So we had just come off to what a five, six game losing streak under Finch's start. And it was like blow it up time. And then it would have been, I was like way more bullish about wanting to get a John Collins or an Eric Gordon. And I still think those guys are really good players. And I still think they'd help this team. But it just kind of now I'm at the point where it depends what we have to give up. You right. Know, if we have to give up Malik Beasley in either of those trades, I'm pretty cautious about doing that. And if we have to give up Beasley and a first round pick somewhere down the road, 
I'm much more cautious of that. If we can give up other pieces with a first round pick and not include Beasley, then I would say, yeah, go for it. Because I think this team is interesting enough where if you can add a starting caliber four and let, you know, Vanderbilt and yeah. McDaniels, assuming they're both still here, kind of figure out that backup role and maybe the longer term starter, you know, Gordon's on what, two years left and Collins would be a free agent this year anyway. Um, which obviously if you're gonna make a deal for him, you're you're intending Planning to resign him. But, yep. Yeah. But um so you know power forwards become less of a less of a uh, major issue for me. I, I think we still need a defender. Um a defender that can not be a problem on offense mm-hmm. <laughs> like yep. Okoki and Culver have been. Um but that's even been diminished a little bit because Finch's system has made it so those guys aren't just out there to chuck threes too. Well, yeah, you know? Kogi's been much more playable these last few games. Definitely. Yeah, yep. yeah. So in that system, like, well, maybe we don't need that as much as we did, you know, five or six games ago. Um, if if that this system will continue to play out and Kogi can be used the way Kogi can help mm-hmm. a team, which mm-hmm. is defense and driving to the hoop and getting to the free throw line and you know doing all the little things. Um, and we haven't seen Culver a ton yet since Finch started. Right. But we'll uh, we'll see where that goes as well. So, you know, I guess, so the short answer is we just need an improvement anywhere we can get it. Yep. The longer answer is it's a lot more nuanced than that because, I, you know, there's there's bright spots at all five of our positions, but there's also, there none of those spots are so bright that you can't say that we couldn't improve there. I mean, I think center obviously is your, your best position because you have, you know, your all-star caliber count mm-hmm. and you have Nas Reed who is, you know, one of the best backup centers in the league. So what more can you ask for at the center? You could get somebody that's more of a rim protector and that would help this team. But, you know, are you really going to find a rim protector that's going to be better at all the other things that Nas Reed's that good at? No, I right. don't think you are at least gettable, not a gettable one. So, yeah, I mean, the target has to be a two-way player at some position. I mean, we've talked plenty about how, Every player on the Timberwolves roster right now is essentially offense only, except for Akogi and Culver, who are essentially defense only. They can't play offense. So um, to start to shore that up a little bit, find somebody who can do both is the goal, but that's the goal for 30 teams. That's not the goal for just the Timberwolves. You know, two-way players are the cream of the crop out there, and you can't just find them. What would be nice to have would be the McDaniels equivalent at the wing position. If you had somebody who was young and possibly growing into a future starting role and you could see flashes on both ends of the floor, you know, at at the wing so that you, you didn't look at the future of this team and say to yourself, well, it's Russell and he's never going to be an all NBA defender and it's Beasley and he's never going to be an all NBA defender. And gosh, I sure hope that Edwards figures it out. But at the moment, he's just still a few years away from being at his peak of it as a defender. It's, you know, our backcourt, our point of attack defense with the guys who are going to be playing a lot of minutes is never going to be that strong with the, with the players that we have now. So I agree with you. It would hurt to trade away some of the guys that we have, especially, you know, a guy like Beasley, who's been up until he went out with his suspension, probably the Wolves' second best player, most consistent sure. player, and he's on a good contract. Um but that it also makes him one of their most tradable players if you actually are trying to get back something of value. So I get people who are calling for the Wolves to really negotiate hard with Atlanta to go after Collins and try to include somebody like a Cam Reddish in the deal because that solves 
hopefully two goals with you know with one trade where you can bring in an, a, an improvement at power forward and even if Beasley's going out you have a few wings you can go to in the stopgap especially with the way Jalen Noel's been playing to, to step into that role and Reddish maybe if his shot comes back a little bit he can be a guy who can play both good defense and good offense in the future you, you just keep searching for two-way players but uh, but I still don't know. It's it's all going to come down to how desperate Atlanta gets and how much they don't want to pay Collins on his future contract because that's the only way that Minnesota is going to be able to, uh, to be involved in these conversations is if the, we can get a guy for less than his peak value. And that's why I think the adding Reddish to it is, you know, maybe a bit of a pipe dream. No, yeah, no, I, I, I get that too, and I totally agree. Yeah, yeah, maybe Beasley stars bright enough where. Atlanta thinks, yeah, I mean, if we can get one of the premier three-pointers, three-point shooters in the league mm-hmm. right now, we can, you know, because they're in a playoff spot right now. They're in the, a potential playoff, you know. They're, play, they're fighting know. for it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, and if that's what they, I mean, and McMillan, since he took over, they're 6-0 and or something. I mean, so they're, they're in a spot where they are believing now that maybe they can do that. Now, Collins has been part of that, though. So if they lose him... You know, what does that do to their team, even if they bring back a Beasley? So, you know, it is, it's tricky. I just, that's why I don't see a Reddish. Yeah, I don't. If Rosas can pull off getting Collins and Reddish for a package that included Beasley and Culver, then sign me up. I mean, I I think that'd be a huge, huge win. I just, it just doesn't seem super plausible to me. Yeah, I don't, I don't see that one. It's why we didn't talk a lot about it in our last episode where we talked about trade ideas. They're just, you can make the money work with different ideas, but none of them just... Feel like you you look at it from Atlanta's perspective you even look at it from Minnesota's perspective sometimes and when you make the money work somebody's going to be left disappointed by the deal and I don't you know usually as a Minnesota fan we, we make Atlanta the ones who are disappointed by that deal so I know there are rumors out there that they're looking for less you know that maybe they don't need as much as Collins's talent would need you know would demand but that's going to be uh, it'd just be a surprise if they ended up making something like that work which then leads us to Aaron Gordon because he's the kind of the fallback target at this point. But even anything you read about that doesn't seem totally likely because what's Minnesota going to offer that's going to make sense for Orlando? I mean, it, he seems even less costly, but Minnesota is going to be even more hesitant to give up somebody like Beasley in a deal like that. Yeah, and I think a deal for Gordon would have to be more of like a Ricky Rubio package you know because you're like you said you're not going to give up Beasley to get Gordon because you know I think Gordon is maybe a better all-around player than Beasley but I think if I had to choose to have one on my team I'm Mm going to choose Beasley just because it's a lot harder to replace elite three-point shooting than it is to replace average NBA defense at the four maybe Mm -hmm. slightly above average Um, because I think Vanderbilt could be as equal a defensive presence at the four as Gordon. Obviously Gordon does more on offense. Yep. It's just, does he do enough more on offense to compensate for what you lose in, in Beasley? And like, as you point out, you know, other things that's changed for this team since the all-star break is Jalen O'Wells emerged. He looks like a poor man's Malik Beasley. And so if you could slide him in there to play a lot more minutes at, mm-hmm. at shooting guard in a deal where Beasley goes, Oh, maybe you're okay. You know? Um, so, that's not lost to me. The kind of packages I was looking at around um, Aaron Gordon would be, you know, something like, and I know this would probably seem not super plausible to you, but Culver, Wancho, and Ed Davis for Gordon and, and Bacon, you know, and it's really Bacon just to make the deal work. But where, why I see it for Orlando is 
Wancho is sort of a poor man's Aaron Gordon, right? Like he he's a better shooter, allegedly. Um, he's, I'm making a face if if you guys can't see me, but <laughs> but when, when I don't Wancho's know if I agree gotten, with that. But when Wancho's gotten some minutes, um, you know, you could see like the other night he had a double double um, or close, I and mean, maybe he was at nine rebounds or something. But you know, he can, hey, look. I'm not saying he's as good as Aaron Gordon. That's why we're throwing in Culver. Ed Davis is just mm-hmm. salary filler. Yeah. Fodder, yeah. yeah. Um, but I could see, and, and there might be a pick involved in there somewhere down the road too. But I, I, in terms of the pieces, I could see Orlando talking themselves into a Culver and Wancho package for Gordon, particularly if they don't get a lot of other offers for him, because Gordon's one big contract, Wancho and Culver are two smaller contracts. Wancho's a, a you know a poor mm-hmm. man approximate of what Aaron Gordon is, and Culver's just a, a bonus piece you can put out there. Um, the other package I was sort of coming up with was Rubio and Culver for Gordon and Michael Carter Williams. Again, Michael Carter Williams sure. is yep. sort of, a, you know, cap fodder, although I could see him finishing up the, the season here just because we'll need another point, point guard. guard. Right. Um, but that one seems fairly plausible, too, because now you get a, a veteran point guard who can kind of help that team, you know, mm-hmm. at least kind of turn things around. So I could see a Gordon deal getting done easier than I can see a Collins deal getting done. Now I could be surprised and Collins could be the deal that we end up making for exactly what we talked about, where we get reddish and Collins somehow. I just, I think it seems a little too optimistic and we we've learned over the years to not get that optimistic. Right. Right. Especially as Minnesota fans. Right. So yeah, those are kind of the two uh, packages that I I could kind of see when just looking at the, the, I mean, I know like Terrence Ross is another contract that you could kind of make, Things, but then, then you're talking a lot of money. You, you're almost right. talking like Beasley and a Rubio having mm-hmm. to go out in order to get, you know, Gordon and, and uh, Terrence Ross back or something. So I don't know that the Wolves would want to do that. Terrence Ross can, you know, he's a good shooter as well, but he's 30 years old. His window doesn't sort of align with the rest of our our window. So. No, they seem to be in a in a weird spot too, where they have some expiring contracts. They've got Gordon's coming up the, at the end of next year. They have Fournier that they need to decide what to do with. Um, so, I mean, I could see Orlando being willing to make deals. It's just, what are they going to need to move on from some of some of these younger guys? So right. um, we have a much lower opinion of Culver than I think. I, I, don't, I don't know. It, it, he's a really hard guy to gauge because you keep hearing that teams like Jarrett Culver, but he's shown absolutely nothing in his time with Minnesota. So, And that's uh, kind of my point on Wancho because I, I not that we've heard things that teams like Wancho we heard it last year when we got him right mm-hmm. but this year he hasn't really been on the court a ton and frankly when he has been on the court I think he's done more good than Culver's done on the short time that he's been on the court sure. and so it's like it's one and I, I get it Culver or you know, um Wancho's got a just signed a deal and it's more money than what Culver's making but it's not substantially more and so no I it's see, gonna be barely more with where Culver was picked they got to be very similar in salary yeah like a million dollar difference or something yeah. and so Wancho you know, if Wancho can kind of figure it out and get a little more consistency, he becomes, you know, a solid backup four, which is all this team ever thought he was going to be, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, the problem with the Wolves early was that they needed a starting caliber four. He came in, he was, you know, not in sh- shape because he was a holdout, frankly. Mm-hmm. And when he came in, he looked awful. He had the one huge game against Denver, I believe. Yep. Uh, and then he got hurt and he was out again or he had COVID or, you know, whatever it was. And, um, so, yeah, it's it's been sort of a mess of a season for him. But I don't think he's done anything bad enough where all of a sudden 
teams think he can't play. So I still think there might be somebody out there that would value him on their team. You know, I, again, he wouldn't be the main piece for Aaron Gordon. No. It, it would have to be bought in on Culver for that deal to work. I just think you could do worse than two young guys under 25 in Culver and Wancho that, um, then, you know, that mm-hmm. Orlando might get offers from other teams for Aaron Gordon. So, yeah, I mean, so we're talking about Culver and Wancho and this, I'm going to bring up the topic that I think you and I have been the most uh, disagreeable on over the past couple weeks has been, what do you do if they come back and they ask for a pick? And especially in a trade for a guy like Aaron Gordon. Like if, if it's John Collins, I can see that being more reasonable because we need to make up some value somewhere. But in a guy like for like Aaron Gordon, are you willing to put in our next available first round pick, which is either 2023 if, if our pick transfers this year to Golden State or 2024 if, if it doesn't? And what type of protections would you need to place on that? Yeah, I mean, I, so the short answer is I think I would. Depends what other players were given up in that package. Mm-hmm. Let's say it's like, Culver and Wancho. Yeah, then I would because they're not they're not building block pieces for me, those two yeah. guys. Yeah. So the pick is the most valuable thing I think I'm giving up. And, I, you know, I would want at least top five protection on it. Um you know, maybe we can get top 10 protection on it. I think then you're starting to ask a lot. But I, I just think people way overvalue first-round picks, and particularly in this town. Everybody in this town doesn't want to give up first-round picks to get players, but yet they also don't want to have to start over on rebuilding. They don't want to have to – they want to get stars. Somehow. Well, we don't have players to trade for stars. You can't trade, at this point, D'Lo for a star, mm-hmm. you know. Um you could trade Towns for a star, but it's going to be a lesser star than what he is. So that doesn't get you anywhere, right? And so the way I kind of look at it is like you look at the first round picks that this team's had, and just we'll run through the list. This year, Anthony Edwards. Yep. Last year, Jared Culver. 2018, Josh Okogie. 2016, Chris Dunn. 2015, Carl Anthony Towns. 2014, Zach Levine. 2013, Shabazz Muhammad and Gorgie Jang. 2011, Derek Williams. 2010, Wes Johnson. 2010, Lazar Hayward. And then 2009, you had the Ricky Rubio, Johnny Flynn draft. Of those 11, 12 guys, there's only two for sure that I would have I would keep over Aaron Gordon and or John Collins, and that's Edwards and Ed, so three Edwards, Towns, and Levine would be the three guys I would keep mm-hmm. over John Collins or Aaron Gordon. Um, so that's out of 12 guys, like you have nine guys, like that's that's what I mean by the first round pick. Like the value really, what is that really worth? Because if nine out of every 12 guys you select are just, okay, you know, maybe a part-time starter guy, then what are you really giving up? <laughs> you know what I mean? And so that's the first piece. Like, I just think picks aren't worth as much. The second piece is this notion of teams building through the draft to become contenders. And really, that, that doesn't really happen very often, right? Like, Dallas did it with Dirk. Mm-hmm. But even that Dirk was the only guy that they drafted the rest of their main pieces, Jason Kidd, Sean Marion, Jason Terry, whatever. Those guys were all free agent acquisitions or trades or whatever. Um, and then the other one would be golden state in 2015 with Steph clay and Draymond, all guys they drafted. Um, but every other team that's won in the last 10, 12, 15 years, you know, until you get back to like the Spurs teams that won. Yeah. Were teams that were built through trades and free agency, and oftentimes just being in a big market that players want to go to, so they they can build their super teams. And so, 
to me, we're, the closest thing we are is like Dallas, right? Cats are Dirk. So you have to use whatever assets you have to surround Cat with guys that can potentially compete. So if mm-hmm. that means giving up a first round pick in 2023 or 2024, I give it up if it, you know, for a guy like John Collins, for example. And if it doesn't work out by 2023 or 2024, you're trading Cat and starting over, and you're going to have a couple first round picks anyway in that trade. So what are you, what have you really lost? You know what I mean? So that's kind of way. I just, I think you can get picks easier than you can get star caliber players. Yeah. I think Collins and Gordon are star caliber. They're not superstars by any stretch, but they're both legit starters. They're both, you know, number three or number, well, I would say Collins is a number three player on a good team and sure. Gordon's a three, four, like he's close. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, push come to shove. Yes. Short answer is yes. I would give him <laughs> a vote first for either of those guys did you get a chance to listen to the the zach Lowe podcast with kurt goldsberry it just um, came out the last couple of days i believe i did yeah i listened to the whole thing and then they didn't talk about the wolves like the last five minutes and i yeah so, I no, missed, but, like, the so at the beginning though they talked about the different oh. paths towards team building yep. and the difference between large markets and small markets and it, they talked about if you're in a large market and you have the opportunity to accumulate those stars then you have the ability to do that through free agency and trades and largely, if you're in a small market, and it feels like everybody's coming to the same realization all at the same time, that the draft is really the building tool. And I totally get the, the point that you're making. Historically, building through the draft has not worked for the Minnesota, so why keep going back to the same well? Um, but I think it's just it's one of, I don't know, it's one of kind of three opportunities that I see for the Timberwolves in terms of their, their roster building. It's you keep your draft picks and you try to accumulate more draft picks and you try to just continue to hit on on those picks whether it's the number one pick with a guy like anthony edwards and number was a 28 pick with Jaden mcdaniels 26 28 whatever that ended up being and you you just got to hit on all of them to, to get to that point that's how you build an okc you know early on and you just hope in in order in order to get there you still have to have an mvp caliber player even you know golden state with steph okc with uh, Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook and James Harden. You know, it's like, and then they had a Baca who is better than our right. third or fourth best player. Even if you build through the draft, even if you do it naturally and organically, you still have to assemble a team with MVP caliber players. And I and, and I they get still that. didn't win it, and they didn't even win it, right? right? So like that's kind of my point. Like if if the goal is don't trade your picks so you can build a team that's competitive, mm-hmm. this team might be give them a, they're, they're the youngest team in the league. Give them a year or two. And they might be a playoff team without making any moves right now. Like, I think that's legit possibility. Everybody wants to bail on them because they started off with a messy situation this year with Towns out, D'Lo out, mm-hmm. Beasley suspended. Like, lots of things went against them this year. And so I don't think this team is a team you just throw out with the bathwater, even if you didn't make no more moves. If you just let this team develop together with a coach in place for longer than a hot yep. second and, you know, see where this goes. I think by end of next year, they're looking like a playoff team and the year after they're a seven, six, seven, eight seed. Mm-hmm. I really believe that just with this, this roster as is, because I mean, you can see it in games now, like just since all-star break, you can just see a difference in that team. Now you add the talents of D'Lo and Beasley back to that group and you know, they can play with a lot of teams in this league. So it, that's to me, that's what the goal, like if that's the goal just to be competitive, because the problem with, with just having to hit on all those picks is okay. So let's say you bail on the project now with Towns and D'Lo and stuff. And you're just like, we're just gonna go keep going younger. So now we're gonna build around Edwards. 
Well, then what happens in two or three years when you're still losing and Edwards is frustrated and Edwards is sort of either giving up or asking to be traded. You know, mm-hmm. that's the problem with this this franchise's history is they kind of do that. They make the wrong pick, you know, two out of every three years or three out of every four years. And so the one guy that they had that they made the right pick on decides they're not, not waiting yep. anymore. Yeah. So, you, yeah, to your, you said it. They have to be perfect and they have to make yep. every pick right. And I, that's so hard to do no matter who. I mean, you know, OKC did it, had a nice run when they did it. You know, I mean, we didn't even get to Steven Adams. You know, that was another good pick that they made. You know, so like that's five deep that they had, but then keeping them together was problematic because they all had to get paid. So um, I just don't think. I get what those guys were saying on the Zach Lowe podcast, mm-hmm. and I, I, I kind of like it's kind of like the baseball, like the the Moneyball thing, yep. and you know, people rooting for the small ball teams. It's just so much more difficult in the NBA because it's a star driven league. Like in baseball, one guy isn't going to change your franchise. You know, they can make it a little bit better, but they're not. You add a LeBron James to a team. There's no baseball player equivalent to LeBron James that you can just throw on a team and make them an instant contender. Um, and well, so, and you haven't let me get to the third option yet. We've talked right. about assembling stars and building through the draft, and but there's also what the Timberwolves are do, seem to be doing, which is they seem to be unique in it, and they're zigging when everybody else is zigging. That's what we've been talking about kind of this whole time, but they believe in their system, I think, more than almost any other team, and the, they've identified the players that they think can be better in their system than they have been in the past. And as a guy like D'Lo, and it, right now it seems to be like a guy like John Collins, where they feel like if they bring in these guys who are maybe fringe all-star players, possibly overpaid, if they get them in the right system around Carl Anthony Towns and on the floor together, that they're going to be better than the sum of their parts. And that seems to be, even if they're making trades with picks or with other young talent, that seems to be their system and their strategy right now is we've identified the players that are going to fit what we want to do perfectly. And we believe that it will be better in the long haul or they will be better on our team than they ever have been in the past. It hasn't worked out well so far with D'Lo, but he also hasn't gotten to play with Towns. So it it seems to be the path that the, the Wolves are following. And I don't know if anybody else is doing it that way because nobody else, I mean, like we used to talk about mid-level exception the, or the players on the middle of exception being kind of the worst contract in the NBA. Cause you load your team up with guys like that. You can't get a star and everybody's in just a bad, slightly overpaid spot because the middle of exception is a, the amount that everybody has. And you just need to give somebody too much money to take it. But guys on a max contract who haven't earned a max contract are even more damaging. And oh, for sure. if we have D'Lo and Collins on max contracts next year, we're betting on that as our future. And they've got to really bet on that system to make them more than who they have been in the past. Yeah. And I mean, the one thing I would poke at, not your theory on it, but Rosas's theory, mm-hmm. like if they're saying their system guy is in that they've identified John Collins. Well, did they identify John Collins or did they identify Aaron Gordon or did they identify Larry Nance or right. it's, it, this feels a little different than D'Lo. D'Lo was always the guy. There yep. was no other scenario. It was it was only D'Lo, right? Like the the power forward spot. It's they've identified guys that I think will fit in the system, but I don't think they're in love with any one of them more so than mm-hmm. you know the the other, right? Like um, I think they're just looking for who can we realistically get or who, you know, and, and we're going to put it out there and, you know, maybe some of it's smokescreen. I mean, where they're trying to hype up their interest in, uh, you know, mm-hmm. Nance and Gordon, for example, if Collins is really their guy and they're just trying to make, 
Atlanta think, well, look, we, we like Gordon as much as we like Collins, so either pull the trigger on the offer we gave you or we're going to take this deal. Um, you know, like there was a rumor last week, late last week, that Orlando and Minnesota were basically ready to agree on the deal, mm-hmm. sending Rubio for Gordon, and then Gordon got hurt. And that it's still there on the table, and it, they still might end up pulling it off. But that sounds like smokescreen to me. Like It sounds like something that was leaked by the Wolves yeah. to kind of get – Atlanta, you know, grease the gears or, a little bit. Yep. Or yep. Cleveland, you know, if, if that's their guy. So, um, but I mean, I get your point, but I, I think teams, I don't think that's that different of approach than what teams have been kind of doing all along, you know, whether it's, you know, even look at the Lakers, you know, when LeBron got there, he kind of identified the guys he wanted around him or the type of guys he wanted around him. And he went out and got, you know, the Rajon Rondos and the Dwight Howards and whatever, you know, I think teams do that all the time to a lesser extent. I mean, I think what's different for the Wolves that I think you're touching on is, the Wolves aren't doing it with role players. They're looking for their second, third, and fourth star right. yep. pieces that they're trying to acquire, which tends to be a little bit different for for teams that are, don't happen to be in one of the it markets like L.A. or New York where they can just kind of go to the store and pick out whatever top free agent they want. Um, right, even with Towns' connections with guys like Ben Simmons and Devin Booker, we're in Minnesota. We're not going to be able to say, you know what, these guys are just going to force their way here and, and team up. It's not going to happen that way. Well, particularly this early in their careers. You know, LeBron yep. and, and D-Wade and all those guys, they didn't do it that when they were in their fourth, fifth years either. Mm-hmm. You know, it was it had to be after that they got their first big contract, and then, okay, now they're set. They have their money. Now they can kind of flex their muscle a little bit and kind of, you know, LeBron was a little bit different because – he was yeah you know, he was lebron right yeah he was lebron but the other guys the chris washes and, and those guys they had to kind of wait until they got a deal and then they were able to kind of make those kind of moves almost like more more like what kevin love did when he was sort of mm-hmm. forced his way out of here um, after he got paid so um you know maybe we'll see you know i mean simmons and Embiid. you, you keep hearing that they're not super close maybe that relationship does start to falter over the next six to 12 months. And then Simmons does decide that he wants out. And then Minnesota could be a destination for him because, right. you know, who, who knows, you know, Booker, I don't think Booker's going anywhere now at this point because, you know, Phoenix has been so red hot. Um, but, you know, you never know. I mean, like if somebody gets hurt or who knows, you know, and I mean, that's kind of what happened with Dilo, right? Like that Dilo sees himself as a star. Mm-hmm. I think he was looking like he was trajectory was going to be going that way when he was in, Brooklyn um and he was one of those bigger name guys that did show interest in coming here even before we actually made the trade he almost signed here right so um you know I I just I think I just think that that the wishful thinking that all of a sudden either it's Rosas or the next GM coming in is going to be able to make those first round picks in 2024 actually hit when history of this entire organization from the beginning shows that we only hit on one I mean KG was the first really good pick yeah and then after that i mean marbury could have right been after, yep, could yep. have been um but there's not a ton i mean even when we had Derek williams with the number two pick that didn't turn out like i mean cat was obviously was a home run um i think Levine could have been a home run had they just kept him you know at 14 but or uh, 13 whatever he was picked mm-hmm. but th- it, there's so many misses along the way that i just and it's not this isn't an indictment on the Wolves. You could look at any team in the league and look at their first round picks for the last 10, 15 years and see most of them are bad picks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just most guys don't pan out in, in an average first round. How many guys turn into stars, you know, in, for, for a year. Mm-hmm. And I think, 
I don't know. I'm I'm at the spot, and my belief has always been if I owned a team, which I never will. I think that's we all agree on that one. If if it were my team, my not, not with that attitude. Well, yeah, I, you believe it, you can make it happen, my friend. Uh, my mandate to any new pobo, anybody coming in to run basketball ops, would be: you prove to me that you can build a winning team, and then you have the freedom to start trading away future assets to enhance on that winning team. But if you don't have if you aren't able to evaluate talent in a way that you can even take a bad team and make it mediocre, how do I trust that you're going to take a mediocre team and round out the roster and around your stars in a way that's going to be impactful? And there is a chance, I mean, with the way the Wolves have played since this All-Star break, now that Finch is in with the talent that they have, maybe he's done that. I'm not going to say he hasn't, but I don't think the verdict is in yet on that. And with the but, record that they have, I can't. I don't think you can say that he's built a winning team yet. I don't think that you can say, even with the surprises and the way that Jaden McDaniels has played or the fines that he has in Noel and Nas, that he's been able to put a team around somebody who had all-pro talent before Rosas stepped into the building in a way that's actually going to come out to winning. And just adding another guy on a $25 million contract isn't necessarily always just the answer there. You have to be able to actually build a roster that makes sense. And like I said, maybe he's done that. Maybe we're going to see over the second half of this season that this roster actually is good you know maybe they they do fit together and it, it makes sense but I, i'd like to see him prove it a little bit more before just handing him the keys to the kingdom and just say trade away our next seven picks for the next guy that's well, that available that would be my comeback too right like so as owner of the timberwolves and you're how long are you given your pobo to make those moves um and then once if you're going to give them only a year to build that team and you're not going to like, look, when Rosas came in, he had, you're right. He had a, a all NBA talent and talents, mm-hmm. but he also had a max deal to Wiggins who you couldn't wake him up with a stick. Right. And you had some other crappy contracts on this team. So you're asking him to say, okay, build a winner around cat, but don't use any of my draft picks. Just use the crappy contracts and make a winner around them. Like, that's a little bit unrealistic, too. You know what I mean? Like, there's only so many assets a team has. And if you're a bad team, guess what? The only assets you have to get better are your picks. And that doesn't necessarily mean the pick of the player you take. It might be the pick that you use to trade for a player that can can turn around. So Yeah, which um, I think the Glenn Taylor situation has impacted that slightly. Because I do believe that Rosas is on a time frame that is shorter than you would like him to be on for what he's trying to do. I think he's trying to turn this team around quickly, and that's probably the promises that he made to Glenn when he got the job. You, if you, I mean, realistically, you give him four years. I mean, if you're not let a lot, you know, if you're not saying we're going to try to do this quickly, we're not going to try to turn it around immediately, and we're not going to trade away our future assets. You got to give him the time, like you're saying. I absolutely agree with that. But, um, but if if they make the gamble, if they go for it and it flops, then that's I don't know. That's an indictment on on them. That was their talent evaluation. Yep. So. Yep. And that's why I don't think it's that much of a hamstring problem that if you say, yep, I'm going to allow you to trade one more first round pick, Mm -hmm. you know, because beyond that, Rosas won't have a job. Right. And if he does that, you still have talents, which I would guess will get you at least two first round picks back in, in any trade now, next year or the year after. And, um, if that's the case, then why not give him the best possible chance to build around towns now with a future pick that if he hits is going to be 
you know, a late twenties pick. Right. And if he misses, yeah, you don't have that pick, but you're going to be trading towns anyway. He towns isn't going to stick around for another rebuild, you know? So you're trading him and you're going to have two first round picks. You're going to have still young guys and Anthony Edwards. And frankly, you know, let's say it's John Collins. If we keep using him as the example, you still have him under contract. So what's he worth? Is he worth another first round pick? Whatever guy you get, theoretically, he's going to be worth a first round pick as well. If you trade him in a year or two, because both Gordon and Collins are still pretty young. You, you know, you well, can still, I mean, that's like, the hope. Is D'Lo worth a first round pick right now? I think he could be uh, like a late round pick. Yeah. Are you going to get a lottery pick for D'Lo? No. But if you were going to trade, if a team had the cap room, right? I could see like a New York, they have a cap room, right? I could see New York giving us a first round pick for D'Lo because I could see New York saying, well, we're going to be a playoff team. Our pick's going to be 22, 23, whatever with D'Lo. I could see them doing that. I could see a number of teams do that if if they were able to negotiate the the um the, the salary race, part of yeah. it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think and that's so, that's the tricky part though because D'Lo for a first round pick is equal evaluation, but D'Lo for thirty million dollars for a first round pick makes it really hard. So you have to hope. Yeah, but that, you're gonna take you're gonna take back a bad contract, right? That you're gonna that you know hopefully is an expiring. So you're gonna trade them for a first round pick and. You know, a James Johnson like guy last year, right? Yeah. Uh, an $18 million, $19 million player. So, you know, I just, to me, the best teams are trading their first round picks. I don't see too many teams at the top of the NBA who were homegrown through through the draft, you know? And like I said, the last team that who their main guy was was Golden State. And then before that was mm-hmm. Dallas. Every other team, the guys moved around. Yeah, they, I mean, I think the, the main player. difference and the hard part to get over is you don't see a lot of teams who are the worst team in the NBA trading away their first round picks, which is why it's, it's just such a conundrum as to how or why Minnesota is so strongly in the buyer's market, you know, or from all reports that they're looking to improve their roster. They're looking to trade away assets, expirings, whatever it happens to be to keep adding to this roster. And like, I think we both see the why because you have to believe in the talent. They believe in the talent. Well, they're they like have, ridiculous but, young too. Like, yeah. what is adding another nineteen or twenty year old to a team full of twenty year olds really going to do in a league full of men? You're like, it's just. I just I think. Look, you and I at the beginning of our first episode, we made predictions for the season. Neither of us thought this was a playoff team. No, nope. you know, we didn't think it was going to be bottom of the league, but they might not be when everything's said done. We also didn't think D'Lo and Cat wouldn't play more than one game together this year. Mm-hmm. So like, it's, you know, um, I just, I think that's where the wolves, the wolves problem right now is just experience and continuity. Yeah. I really think that's their biggest issue more than a, a point of attack defender, more than a starting four. I just think it's just experience and continuity every other team at the top is a veteran team or a team that's played together for a while. Um, and so I just, you know, Adding these picks, you can just keep adding first round picks, and then you just have a team full of, you know, Joshua Kogies. Yeah. <laughs> so like, it's just um, you know, a bunch of guys that you like that play hard. Maybe had a like a nice little run in the March Madness tournament, like Jarrett Culver, and you're banking on that. <laughs> and, I mean, it's just uh, you know, it's always the potential teams. Teams yeah. that always chase the potential are teams. To me, those are the teams that are at the bottom of the draft. I mean, look at Sacramento has been awful for how long, you know, and, and with all their picks, Chicago has been taking forever to try to get out of the, out of the basement. And they're finally doing it now. Cause they've had a couple guys together um, with Levine and, and whatnot, but um, New York Knicks, um, Atlanta has been bad until this year, Charlotte, you know, New Orleans till they got 
Zion, but even they're, they're not even in the playoff mix right now. So all these teams that have had a lot of picks in the last five, six, seven years, mm-hmm. they're still where they were five, six, seven years ago. You know, it's just a real shame team. that the first half of the season went the way it did for the Wolves with all the injuries, all the games missed. It because, is. I mean, if, if they were sitting at, you know, 15 and 20 or even 12 and 24, whatever happened to be, you know, to make the record work out where you're not, I mean, they have nine wins right now. If they had 14 wins and you could even say, you know what, we're not a great team. We know we're not competing for anything this year, but you know what, we're only a few games out of that, that 10th spot that play in, you know, we could make a run at something or our guys are starting to gel. We're starting to see it. And you had seen that for a long, prolonged period of time. Then you could really understand the, like, you know what, we're a one piece away, or this is the guy that can make a difference rather than what we've seen. I mean, like these last four games have been great, but um, what we've seen for the first half of the season was just so kind of disgusting for long periods of time that it's just hard to say like, yeah, this is the team, you know? So I get it. I mean, I banking on picks isn't always the answer. I just would like, my philosophy has always been prove that, you know, how to evaluate talent and then we'll, we'll go, we'll, then so, we'll go hard at it. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously you're not gonna, I wouldn't give anybody the right to just trade away any asset, whether mm-hmm. it's, I, I wouldn't even let a GM that I don't trust trade Culver away who I'm the most down on, on the team yeah. based on what, where we got them and stuff. If they haven't shown me some sort of sign of life that they're, you know, mm-hmm. they've made some moves. And I, I think Rosas, is, he has shown me, I think he's, he crushed the Jaden McDaniels pick. Yep. He crushed the Nas Reed signing. He crushed Jalen Noel. He, you know, Edwards, I'm not going to say he crushed because he was the number one overall pick and he may have, he may or may not still be the right one. Like, you know, him or LaMelo, mm-hmm. I, he's shown some great signs, but um, I think he crushed the Beasley acquisition. Um, you know, so the Culver one was a huge swing and a miss. That one hurt. The Dilo one, I think is still up in the air because we have only seen five games between him and Carl Anthony Towns. And look how much better Ricky Rubio looked when Carl Anthony Towns got on the court. Yep. You know, so Dilo could be the exact same story only at a, a much higher level because D'Lo talent wise at a, is at a higher level than Ricky Rubio. So you put D'Lo on the floor with Carl Anthony Towns in these last 18 games or whatever it was that they played together. Um, you know, maybe that looks different. So let me ask you this then, if, if you're saying it's, you're not sold on the talent, which guys on this team are you giving up on that? You're not even so much as a trade, just like, because I think you can make strong cases outside of the two guys you and I keep throwing back out there and, in our trade center, yep. guys, we want Culver and Wancho. Besides those two, who do you want to punt off this team? Well, I think you have. I mean, we talked about it a few weeks ago with our expansion draft episode, right? We talked about who are the who are the surefire locks, and it's it's Towns. He's not going anywhere. It's Edwards at this point. There, any player that you would be willing to include Edwards for is not going to become available. And Jaden McDaniel's is probably the only, the only other untouchable for me i mean i i wouldn't trade him i mean of course you come back with a guy like ben simmons i'm gonna discuss any player on the roster sure but but just but forget the trade part of it though just like which guys on the team are you saying i i'm already convinced that guy's never going to be a player so I, i don't have that what i would like to see is take the collection of players that you have and build a winner with them like i'm i've been watching the timberwolves for a long time i'm educated and informed on watching guys put up incredible performances on a team that ends the league in the lottery again i would like to see somebody who can take those those players and 
I get the difference between the youngest roster in the league and a team of veterans. You know, that's what Brooklyn had a few years ago when they went out and they had Kenny Atkinson and they, they you know, Delo's team over there and they put together a winner, a playoff team, even though they lost in the first round, they had nothing, they had no picks to build with. They just identified the right talent that worked together. You know, if, if you could put something like that together with your ability to assemble a roster, assemble a system, that would mean more to me. And then you say, all right, now now that you've proven you can round out a roster, you know how to identify talent that's not only going to be impressive individually, but impressive as a team, and they're going to be played together. And a large, large part of that comes down to the coach. So this is Rosas's big move. I mean, going with Ryan for a year and a half as, as the head coach just did not do him any favors because no matter what talent he put out there, it, it hasn't gelled. It hasn't come out to winning. And if, whether, if that was all Ryan, that was all Ryan. And we'll learn that here well, pretty that, quick. That's- yeah, that's but, the favor. I think it did him. It Ryan was always the whipping board for Rosas. I I believe that he was never Rosas's mm-hmm. choice to be coach. I don't. I'm not saying he was forced to keep him on, but I think Rosas was smart enough to see that as an opportunity and say, "Yeah, Glenn, you're right. Ryan deserves a shot. Let's yep. keep him as coach because he knew they were going to be bad. He knew that you know last year he was rolling into training camp with a roster that did not fit his system." Not not one player fits yep. that system. Yep. And then midway through a trade deadline, he trades for nine guys. And so now you have, you know, he, he couldn't predict COVID or anything like that, but he would have had a half a season to get those guys to kind of playing together. Mm-hmm. And then they could cut it came into this season with a little bit more of a system in place. But they didn't get that because the season was halted yep. Yep. and they didn't have a training camp and stuff this summer. So they, they were bad longer than I think Rosas maybe thought they would be, but I think the plan all along was that this year, they, if if everything would have gone as planned and they would have done like what you and I thought they would have done, mm-hmm. which would have been just outside the playoffs, you know, in that 10th, 11th spot, yep. then he would have been like, that's not enough, fired Ryan in the off season, then brought in, you know, Finch or whoever, you know, if that wasn't, if there was another guy that he liked, but um, then he would have brought in his new coach and then that coach conceivably could have, hired his own whole staff. Mm-hmm. It's, I still think it's a little weird that Finch is sort of being running with Ryan's at, staff. Yeah. Yeah. And so it didn't even crazy. feel like Ryan's staff in the first place. So no, it felt like Rosas' staff. So yeah, it was kind of like, you know, Vanderpool was hired to kind of look over Ryan's shoulder. Right. So Ryan was, Ryan got a raw deal. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. He just got a raw deal. I think he was used by Rosas as cover. Well, he got a Ryan. raw deal unless he's able to use this to launch forward into a, a kind of elite assistant role that he wouldn't have gotten otherwise in another organization. Well, he might have, because didn't he interview with Memphis before he took the head, you know, be, or when he was assistant yeah, here? He may have, but I don't see him being like associate head coach anywhere if he didn't get this opportunity with the Timberwolves and now he has more of a cachet to go in somewhere else. So he he did get a raw deal. I get that. And he was a scapegoat the whole time, but it, there is yeah, still I mean, a chance for him to turn it around. Yeah. yeah. You don't got to cry for a 30 some year old guy right. who got to be a head coach in the NBA and make millions of dollars. I mean, like there's there's worse travesties in the world. <laughs> like I get, I get all that. I'm just saying, as in terms of the way NBA coaches are treated, you know, this organization in particular has not treated some of the better people. Yeah, that held that position, Ryan, Dwayne Casey, mm-hmm. um, very well. You know that that's not a great look for a, a team that already has a poor reputation. Right. It's you know, kind of laughed at. Even Sam, um, yeah, Sam as well. Yep. Another one. I mean, gave a lot to this team his entire career. So yeah, it's, I just, I, I, so I think that was Russell's plan. I think this, you know, that he was always expecting that he'd be replacing Ryan. Now, if Ryan came out 
and they were better than expected last year. And then this year they, you know, yep. hit the all-star break in the fourth seed. Well, Rosas, then he can't fire him. But it was a no-lose situation for Rosas. Yeah. He yeah. either had the guy to take the heat or to scapegoat. You know, because obviously I think Rosas is also smart enough to know, look, Ryan is a beloved figure in the Twin Cities. He, if, if that was any other guy doing that job, they would have been roasted a lot earlier by fans mm-hmm. and the media than what Ryan did. Now, part of that is because of his dad, but the yeah. other part of it is he's just a good guy. Yeah. Like he's he's not an arrogant prick like Thibodeau was, and he's not. You know, he's just. It's hard to be critical of somebody like that, and so um, so Rosas knew it could backfire that fans could turn on him. But mm-hmm. to me, that in a weird way, that's almost why he made the move midseason before he could. You know before Ryan could get everybody together and kind of start on making the team look good, where all of a sudden now, you know, they, they win 20 games in the second half of the season and it's kind of hard to get rid of them, you know, kind of move. Um, Because I, I think Rosa's deep down believes that Ryan isn't ready to be the guy to take you to a contending status. And the fear would be that if they rattle off 20 wins in the second half and you end up at 28, 29 wins for the season um, that all of a sudden, like the fans are like, no, 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 we got something here. You can't fire Ryan. Yeah. And Ryan would every year be a 28, 29 win right. guy for the right. next three, four years. So, um, so I mean, you know, and this isn't me, you know, thinking Rosas has done at all good. Cause like I said, I, I hated the Culver pick last year. I still hate it. Um, I think he got caught. Yep. Smarting himself. Cause I think they planned on getting Garland and, and they, didn't read that situation correctly, so I thought that was a bad move. The D'Lo, I still would. I, even if you asked me today, would I trade Wiggins and a first for D'Lo? I I would. I mean, I just, you know, I, I like Kate Cunningham and stuff. But even that, it's like, okay, well, what does he look like on this team? You know, so it, there's well, a lot of, yeah. you know, like I'm not gonna fits. I'm not gonna pretend to have watched college basketball. So <laughs> and I've yeah. watched like the last couple weeks of Kate Cunningham because right. he's been on a lot. Um, so I don't even, yeah, I mean, I don't know too many of the other players, or I haven't watched too many of the other players mm-hmm. anyway. Um, but, yeah, so it's just, like, I still would make that move because I still think the potential of D'Lo with Cat far surpasses the potential of Wiggins with Cat. Um, Let's hope so, we find and, out, my friend. Let's hope we yeah. find out. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just it's been too long. We got Ant, we got McDaniels, we, we got something, you know. I, mm-hmm. I think what Edwards has done since the All-Star break has been incredible. Um, he looks every bit the Dwayne Wade comps that some people had. Um, maybe dare I say better at this point? You know, he's stronger. He's, I mean, I mean, I think, Wade was a really good defender on day one. Wade was, Wade was also was, much older than Edwards was coming out of college, yep. and he was also the ultra competitive. Where, and not that Edwards isn't competitive, but Edwards. His first personality trait you see is he's fun. Yeah. Like he likes to have yeah. fun. He's always happy. And I kind of want to see a pissed off version of Anthony Edwards. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't think anybody else wants to see that. <laughs> any opposing team because, you know, he could um, wreak havoc on somebody coming down the lane if he was pretty angry. Right. But I want to see that version of him to see that fire that Dwayne Wade had or Donovan Mitchell has or some of these other guys that he's been compared to. Um you know, but he's definitely even better than I thought he would be. Yeah. I um, mean, you know, and he was the guy I wanted. But I mean, I, he's, he's been awesome these last couple of weeks and he's actually making a, com- the 
rookie of the year race competitive, which was seemed inconceivable a few weeks ago with how the mellow was playing and how Edwards was struggling. But I mean, he's scored 63 over the last two games, which is a Wolves record for a rookie. And he already has 22 at the half tonight. So he's his ability. I mean, they're putting the ball in his hands a lot. He's leading the team in shots, so he should be scoring. But the, uh, being a volume scorer is a skill in the NBA, whether or not you are the most efficient player on the floor, just taking that many shots and doing so in a manner where you're actually putting up the points is a skill. It's, it's not easy to do. Somebody well, needs Kobe, to do it. That's what Kobe was. Yeah. I mean, Kobe wasn't always a very efficient player. That's one of the arguments I always made to people who mm-hmm. were comparing Kobe to Michael. I mean, it's, you know, Kobe would take 25 bad shots in a game. <laughs> yeah. He just, he, there was not a shot he didn't like, you know, and Edwards has got, the, again, the one thing Kobe has that made him, great was that ultra competitor gene that you know again not saying edwards doesn't have it we just haven't seen it yet you know edwards strikes me as somebody that's going to have fun win or lose Mm -hmm. um which can be problematic because if if he's always like that if he doesn't ever sort of flip that where he's like he cares about because i think cat's a little bit like that too right he's not quite as joyous yeah visibly as edwards but he you know even when you watch press conferences afterwards and stuff he doesn't seem that ain't like Ricky seems down. Like Ricky seems like more of a competitor. Like that, that losing bothers him more than those guys. Right. It does. And so, you know, you just, I, I would like to see that a little bit more, you know, just to see them bothered by the losing. Not, not so much that they want to out because that's obviously a problem that this team's had repeatedly, but just see, see where they want to fix it, you know, and uh, turn things around. Well, you brought up Ricky, and we've talked about him a lot tonight, but last topic of the night, where do we think Ricky stands in his trade value in terms of peak trade value for him moving forward? Because I think we talked a lot about it, and I think the general consensus when they brought him in at the uh, draft last year was that, yes, he would come in and he would be a big help to this team, being a professional, being a, a veteran presence, and that he could really mentor some of these younger guys. And he's done that. I mean, every to a T, they all talk about how, you know, Edward says he's the best leader he's ever seen. And Carl said he doesn't trust anybody more than Ricky Rubio. But I think we've also known that he was potentially a, a trade ship because of the size of his contract. He was going to be used to assemble a you know, package for somebody else or to flip for a different position when they needed it to package him. And you, these last, I think, 16 games since he took over the starting role, he's looked like the old Ricky Rubio again. It's been fun to watch. It's been great. And he's rejuvenated himself, the team, and his... uh, Frankly, if he had any trade value, he's brought that back. Do you think that this is the highest his trade value is going to get with the fact that D'Lo's coming back here pretty soon? He's going to be pushed back to a bench role? Do you think it could be higher in the offseason when he's only one year away from his contract expiring? Or do you think that if we we could you know benefit from having him on the team all the way up to the next trade deadline when he's truly an expiring contract but he could really help this team win some games in that period of time when would you if we have to cash in on ricky when would be the the optimal time do you think to cash in on ricky i think right now it's probably higher than what it would be in the off season because in the off season there's going to be other guys that Mm -hmm. teams can talk themselves into building around or having as their mentor um but I also, you know, if you remember in one of our f- first episodes, when they made the trade for Ricky at draft night, I actually don't, at that time, didn't believe that they were trading him to use him as a trade ship down mm-hmm. the road. I actually believed they were bringing him in to keep him on this team beyond even this contract. Um, I actually thought, even, and I said it then, was the re-signing Beasley 
to me was what they were going to use as a future trade ship. Um, now this season, those guys went opposite directions. Beasley right. played himself into a point where he's almost untradeable mm-hmm. because he's so good at his contract. And Ricky started off so rough that that made me start to wonder. And the, the experiment of D'Lo and Ricky together looked right. awful. But now maybe that'll look better with Cat because those guys individually looked awful without Cat too. So um, maybe they will, under Finch, look better You know, in, in smaller spurts. I don't. Who knows? We'll have to see. But... Um, I don't know if his trade value will go up next trade deadline. I think it's higher now than this off season. Potentially it could be higher next trade deadline. Um, I, it, the, the tricky part for me is looking for a team that needs a veteran point guard. Yeah. And there are some, I mean, I get like, I mean, like I get Orlando, I think, but, but not, they're not fighting for anything. Yeah. And I, but I could see like the Lakers could really use a Ricky Rubio come off the bench. They don't have anything that you're going to want back. You're not going to want Kyle no. Kuzma. You know, you're not going to like, I just, I don't know what else they would have. Um, that's just one team that came popped in my head. I could see Miami have an interest in a Ricky Rubio because they have so many other shooters mm-hmm. that they get surround them with and they value defense and yep. like, that tempo with that team, like, man, just the lobs to bam would be right. fun to watch. So I could see them, but you know, again, what do you like? It does, it, They're not going to trade what you partner. want. Right. Yeah. No. So it might, maybe, maybe they work into a three way. You know, trade yeah. where also something like that works. Um, and so the, the other one I thought, I think Britt brought this up, and it wasn't a trade scenario so much as it was. And I want to say it's Britt, but I listened to a lot of podcasts this <laughs> last week. Um, they some he said that they're they're arguing or debating the value of Nas Reed, and he said, what would Nas Reed look like on a team like Boston? Sure, yeah, who's been struggling to find a center? And I was like, whoa. That's really interesting because he would be really good in I Boston, think it, I, think. I think Dane was saying it to Britt. Okay. So, yeah, yeah I, it was their podcast. And, yeah. And so then I was, like, wondering, well, what, what what would a deal look like if we were to trade Ricky as the main piece – or uh, Nas is the main piece, Ricky is the secondary piece, and got back Marcus Smart, who solves our point of attack def- right. defender and whatever else to make contracts work. Like – that could be interesting, but that would have to happen, I think, now as Boston's struggling because Marcus Smart's like the heart and soul of that yeah, team. Yeah, I mean, he's not the best player, but he's the, you know. Maybe I'm off on this because, I mean, I, I'm not a league pass aficionado. I'm not out there watching every single game, and I don't even have my finger on the pulse of just general NBA ishness in terms of the other fan bases. But I, I don't know. I'd put Marcus Smart in the same tier as john collins as in terms of player and the value yep. that they would demand in a trade so yep. um i mean maybe like you said maybe boston's in a spot where they have too many ball stopping wings and they need somebody to move the ball around more you know low talk to scalabrini and they talked about that how they make like probably the least number of passes in the league and they could bring really bring mm-hmm. in and benefit from somebody who would do that and ricky would be great and i've thought about that too but well and then you get an offensive center like not nah, yeah center for them that i think I, forget the trade, like whether or not mm-hmm. it's feasible stuff. If I'm a Boston fan, I think we're we would be a better team with Ricky and Nas than Marcus Smart. And, and now, maybe, but I don't yeah. like you said. I don't have league pass. I don't live in Boston. I don't know how much like Marcus Smart is their Ricky Rubio, right? Like he, uh, for us as Minnesota fans, right? Like he's the guy that everybody like. He's the fan favorite there. So I don't know how much that weighs in on the team. But they don't, you know. 
to have a guy that can get the ball moved around and get, I mean, they have so much talent around that team and, you know, the center spot's been sort of a position they just sort mm-hmm. of punted you know, on. Punted. Right. Yeah. But if you can get a guy in the minimum for the next two years, who's as talented right. as not as, yeah, I get it. Yeah. So, I mean, I, well, I totally to me, agree. Yeah. That makes like a better package to them. And I agree with you that Marcus Smart and John Collins are in the same tier, but to me, that package is more attractive to Boston for Smart than it is to Atlanta for yeah. Collins. Yep, I agree. Um, and, and, you know, so Which is why Atlanta is so hard to figure out deals for, because you just don't know what they need. I mean, they've got three guys at each position, and they, they can't even figure out who to play on the floor. It's why Collins right, is available right. in the first place, is because they have too many bigs. And they don't really have one spot that they're you're like, well, yeah, this guy would be a definite right. upgrade for them, you know. Like right now, so, they're just trying to salvage value because they've most likely decided they don't want to pay Collins a max contract, so they're trying to get something for him before he leaves. And, and I wonder how good Atlanta would be. Let's say Atlanta and, and Minnesota switched conferences mm-hmm. and had the same schedule. Like, would our records just be reversed? Because they feel like they're not similar in their play style, stuff, but they feel like a team like us in the sense that they have a a lot of guys individually that you like, right? But as a collective whole, haven't worked yet. You know, yeah, I mean, it's, we talked like about that when we did our predictions at the beginning. There was them, yep. it was Washington, it was yep. you know, there were a couple other teams in the Eastern Conferences even that were like these feel like very similar teams that yep. we predict to be similar talent level, but the Wolves are probably going to finish behind them because they're in the Western right. Conference. And I still think that holds true. I mean, I think you know they also haven't had quite the injury issues that the Wolves had, or yeah. You know, uh, suspensions or anything else you did ask me one other question be you know earlier today that we were going to talk about is players around the league that you would now trade for anthony edwards as edwards is having once again another monster night tonight right you know because at the beginning of the season especially before the draft we assumed that we would happily use that first pick in a package for a star player yeah and, and i then... remember immediately after the draft once we knew it was edwards mm-hmm. You had told me, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, <laughs> right. I mean, you, you get on board the, the hype train immediately, right. and it's, it's so much harder. You know, you watch the first half of the season, and he's shows, shown flashes, obviously, but he hadn't been given the keys to the kingdom. He hadn't been blowing up the way he has now. But all of a sudden, now he's scoring 30 points a game. It's And as a rookie, as a 19-year-old rookie who's unpolished, and he's showing everything. So, you know, we've talked about some of the different players and even maybe not names, but types of players. What caliber player would you need if you were to include and not like not Edwards as the main piece to get other things back, but include Edwards in a package for a star player? In my I so I thought about that today and, you know, now barring the like you mentioned earlier, the unrealistic ones like, yeah, if Ben Simmons is available, then I would I wouldn't prohibit talking about Edwards as being in that package or somebody like that LeBron or Kawhi Leonard mm-hmm. or somebody like that, you know, like, so you take all the, the guys that you have no chance to get no matter mm-hmm. what. Mm-hmm. Right. There's only one guy I came up with on my list that I would trade for who I think has got a realistic chance of being a team that comes to us and says, okay, we'll give you this sure. for Edwards and whatever. I'm excited. Else. This is going to be good. Who is it? Bradley Beal. Yeah. Okay. That's the right answer. I mean, that's who I had in mind too. I mean, the, you don't want to trade Edwards, especially, I mean, especially as a team who, as we've talked about plenty, like we think we have the makings for a good team here in the future, but you just don't know. But if you could bring in a guy like Bradley Beal with the talent that he has, he is a fully realized version of Anthony Edwards at this point. So it would be, I don't know, it'd be really hard to, to say no if Edwards was just if it was Edwards and cap filler for somebody like and what, 
what it would probably have to be would be Edwards and Beasley. Right. And all of a sudden, I'm going, God, is Beasley that much of a poor man's version to Beal? And I don't know that he is. Like, he is. He's definitely not at Beal's level. But, man, I I, I almost would rather keep Beasley and Edwards. <laughs> you know? It's, it, I, mean, I mean, it's tough with the way Edwards has been playing, for sure, which is why we're having yeah. this conversation. Yeah. Right, right. They would have to throw in another young piece that makes it so, like, you know, taking on a 30-year-old Bradley Beal or however old he is, um, isn't the the sort of stopgap filler. Like, like so that when Edwards does blow up to what I think he is and Beasley continues, because what, what is Beasley going to score in Washington? You know, 30? Because they don't have any score. Right. Him and Edwards, they might each score 30, you know? And then all of a sudden you traded two 30-point scores for one. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like, here. And obviously I think Beal makes you better right now, but it's a tricky one. I mean, he is the only one, I mean, I ultimately put him on my list as the guy that it would. Yeah. But just it, it gets. It I mean, gets, it's it's not a deal that's going to make everybody happy anymore. That's for sure. No. Right. So, I I mean, there were other guys. There would have been plenty of other guys that we would have talked about around draft time and even throughout the this season of, up until now. I mean, it, we're, you know, we're leaving off a guy like Devin Booker, who's as talented as they come. I just I don't know if. Like, I mean, even with what they did in the bubble last year, I'm not sure if I've seen enough from Devin Booker that I would that I would feel like we're guaranteed to be a competitor, even with Booker and Towns and uh, D'Angelo Russell. Like, it, because that is your core, then that's what you have moving forward. You're done. Like, that is your team. And I don't know if if I could say that those three together, even though we've talked about it a lot, like with their slam cover last year, whenever it happened to be like if you could say like putting those three on a team makes you a competitor, I just don't think they're at that level. So, and I, and they weren't even one that was realistic to me because they're so good right now. Right. So I, Booker would be another one I'd have to think about long and hard. Cause I'd be, I, I that one would be a close one for me, mm-hmm. but I don't think Phoenix is going to shake up anything there. So no, I, I don't think so either, that. but I would still put Bradley Beal a step above Devin, but it may, it may be even a half step, but it's a, above Devin Booker and I would too the only yeah. difference is the age you know Booker fits our window better than Beal fits the window with Cat and D'Lo right like that would be the only other reason um for me that why I would keep yeah I mean it's, it's a three-year difference so Booker's 24 Beal's 27 so I mean Beal's just entering the very prime of his career so right um I mean, and, and if you don't do anything in the next three, four years after the trade anyway, they're all gone anyway. So it's not like right, you're right. trading four I, or five years down the road. But. That's exactly my logic with the first round pick, right? Like, so you trade that pick because in three years, you're trading all these pieces for picks anyway. So so you don't have your pick. You have somebody else's pick. What difference does it make? You know, like you have, a, like, you know, so that's kind of where, um, yeah, it, it, it evens itself out because, you know, they're they're comparable assets, but yeah, well, so that's I mean that that shows you how far Edwards has come in you know this short half a season so far. It does. You know, well we've talked a lot about the trade deadline. We've talked a lot about where the Timberwolves might go from here. It might be quiet, might be uh explosive. We'll just have to see what happens, but this is our final episode of season 1. We've made it. We talked all the way through the 1989-1990 Wolf season. We've made it halfway through the 2020-2021 Wolf season. It's been a road. It's been a ride. It's been a lot of fun. 
Uh, we are probably going to come back uh, around the trade deadline just for a, a, a pop-in episode here, just to kind of revisit any moves that are made, anything is, even around the league that was a big newsmaker. But uh, we're going to go. We're going to do some planning. We're going to do some research. We're really going to get ahead of uh, the 1990-91 season, and we'll we'll come back in a few weeks, and we'll uh, start up Season 2. We uh, hope you've enjoyed everything. Make sure to subscribe on whatever your favorite podcast provider is and hit us up on, on Twitter. I'm at RubyOops, R-U-B-I-O-O-P-S. Chad's uh, at Chad Cox with an underscore in between the names. Uh, ask us any questions or email us uh, at howlhistory at gmail.com and we'll try to get your questions on the air and we'll talk about it then. Chad, it has been a blast. Thank you for doing this with me, my friend. I'm enjoying yeah, it. It's been, yeah, it's been fun, man. All right, let's come back. Let's, let's hope the Wolves uh, go, on a, uh, go on a run here. Yeah. Exactly. I got I got work my say by the bell podcast. Here. All right. Talk to you later, buddy. <laughs> See ya. Bye. <laughs> Bye.